Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Brody Welch. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. I'm super excited for um, today's interview. It's with Brody Welch, and she is a licensed acupuncturist, a board-certified herbalist, self-care strategist, and transformation coach. She does a lot with um, Chinese medicine, and so we talk about um, the five elements of Chinese medicine, and we go, she talked a little bit about that, um, which I'm totally intrigued and want to take her introductory or basics of Chinese medicine course now, um, because it is so similar. I think you guys are going to see a lot of the stuff that she talks about. It really does go hand in hand with Ayurveda and um, like just the similarities and they both are ancient systems that have been around for, um, you know, centuries. And so the stuff that you can learn and take away are stuff that uh, really is practical in today's lifestyle. And it's about slowing down and just honoring our bodies and kind of tuning into what works best for us and not giving into that, um, you know, kind of fast track that society tries to push us down. So we really get into that in today's podcast and how to, um, you know, come back to yourself and slow down and honor what your body is wanting and needing. So without further ado, here is today's episode with Brody. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm super excited today. I have Brody Welch on with me and um, we're going to kind of dive into some great topics around stress and how to manage that in our lives. But first, I want to kind of throw it over to you, Brody, and let you kind of introduce yourself and a little bit about your background with Chinese medicine and, um, you know, maybe how you've gotten to where you're at right now. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to talk with you. I um, got started, I fell in love with Chinese medicine almost 20 years ago now. And it's basically because its philosophy deeply resonated with me uh, that that we are these ecosystems and that we're connected to nature and that we have that everything in nature exists within the body and that any aspect of our human experience can be explained via Chinese medicine's energetics, yin and yang and the five elements. And it's like all that really spoke to me. And so I have been practicing Chinese medicine, which is acupuncture, Chinese herbs, lifestyle and diet um, counseling, as well as teaching people Qigong and meditation and yoga. And really, uh, I've been doing that for 15 and a half years in Corvallis, Oregon. And then in the past couple of years, I've really recognized that Chinese medicine, it practiced in its most powerful sense is not just like do me medicine where you go in and you have a practitioner throw needles at you or do some body work, but you really are engaged in a process of healing that involves applying Chinese medicine energetics to your daily life and actually implementing all the things that I feel like for, for, forever. I've been writing little self-care reminders for people to, okay, go home and take a half an hour to yourself or go home and do this breathing exercise or go home and do this stretch or change your diet in this way. And very intelligent, very motivated to change women, high achievers, all of them would come back saying that they they did their self-care for about three days and then it kind of fell by the wayside because other people needed them or because they're just their work ethic got in the way of their commitment to themselves. And so I started leading these self-care boot camps or uh, really doing kind of some transformational coaching with people, women especially, um, self-aware, smart 
doers and helping them really put themselves on the top of their own to-do list so that they can trade stress for ease. And so now I have the clinic part-time and this coaching practice where I help people see themselves through the lens of Chinese medicine so that they can make smarter choices in their daily life about how they want to live so that they can show up with more energy and vitality and just happiness. Mm. Yes. And since you've been in the industry for, you know, so many years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen? Um, Maybe either in the, you know, clientele coming to you, is the stress the same as it was 20 years ago or more intense? Or what are some of those things that you've been seeing? Well, I think one of the strengths of Chinese medicine has always been the ability to see someone as a whole person. Mm -hmm. Because in Western medicine, we're going to specialists who are only oftentimes honing in on one aspect of who we are. You know, so we might be seeing a counselor for stress and we might be seeing somebody else to figure out our gut issues. And we might be taking like an acid reflux drug or a sleep drug or a, you know, whatever. And, and working with these different practitioners versus going to see someone for Chinese medicine, where we can really look at the underlying root that is giving rise to many of the diseased branches um, that we call symptoms. And I feel like that's always been a strength of Chinese medicine because because people have have been missing that, like who's going to see me as a whole person and who's going to take all this together and really, and, and make me a partner in the healing process. So I think that's always been so, like pretty much that if, if uh, allopathic medicine strengths are really managing symptoms so that we can go on with our lives without necessarily addressing the problems underneath for better or for worse. Um, or I mean, uh, given like emergency life-saving drugs yet, yeah, like the, those things excluded, um, surgery at being another miracle, but not necessarily always a great option for the things that are our problems in our daily lives. It's Chinese medicine has always kind of been in that like in-between state of, of where you don't necessarily need or want a massive um, heroic intervention, but you do want something to change in the way that you're experiencing your body or your mind. But over the years, so I feel like always stress, stress and anxiety have always been a pieces of what I've been treating and helping people kind of see the connections between what they're doing and how they're feeling or between how they're living and how they're feeling. <laughs> but what I see is that um, is that the pace of life just keeps galloping faster mm-hmm. and faster. And I think especially with the rise of technology and being plugged in all the time, and I think the statistics will will uh, bear me out on this that that people are are feeling more time compressed people feel like they have less time we're taking less time we're taking less vacation where things like that we're not seeing uh, our friends as much we're not um, you know millennials are having less sex uh, you know being on their phones more I mean it's just really interesting how people are I think that the sense of isolation has increased mm-hmm. and that uh, and as we watch the kind of what the major prescription drugs are that it used to be that uh, Prozac was the number one and now I believe it's an anti-anxiety drug so like we flipped from depression mm-hmm. to anxiety mm-hmm. I think that's a reflection of the pace of life and stress and so I see a lot of people struggling with doing less than they're humanly capable of and especially Especially women, I really see, I really see self-care as a feminist issue because mm-hmm. there's, and especially you know, like when women are 
are trying to work and parents and feeling like they're supposed to pretend that they don't have kids if they're in the workplace and that, you know, like while feeling like they're being an inferior um, professional or an inferior mom. Mm-hmm. And it's because the pressures haven't changed, right? The expectation of, of, um, of what a woman's supposed to do, it's like, oh yeah, be all you can be, but do it, you know, in all the directions you possibly can, you're, there's, something's going to give. And no matter how smart and how capable and how much you love what you do for a living or your family, it's, um, it's really hard to give everything your full attention all the time and feel like you have a life. And so really, um, I, I think, I feel like really helping to dent the culture in terms of what we see as normal Mm-hmm. That we uh, that no one is served by us all as women having these impossible to meet expectations, beating ourselves up for not meeting them while working ourselves into the ground. Mm. Yes, I mean, I just had a client tell me this morning. She was like, "Oh, I probably shouldn't have went on vacation last week because now I'm coming back to work, and I just want to crawl in a hole. I have so much stuff to do." And she runs her own business. She's like, "I am so behind, and I'm catching oh, yeah. up now, and I'm never going to be caught up." And I'm like, "Oh man." Like that that's not the right attitude that we're like, you know, we just keep working. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh, well, and just like, just let's just take that in for a moment. Just as you said that, I'll never be caught up. Mm-hmm. The visceral sense of constantly being overwhelmed, of constantly being behind the ball. It's like that is, um, that, that is a perpetual source of stress. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take its toll physiologically. It's going to take our, its toll on our hormones. It's going to take its toll on our happiness. And it's, uh, it's the kind of thing where like, how different if, you're, if you just felt like you had all the time in the world, you still have all the responsibilities that you have, but you could take your time and move at your own pace. Doesn't that feel totally different in your body? Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, just the freedom that it has. And you're just kind of like, I can breathe. Like I can breathe again. Yeah. And that's in Chinese medicine, the liver. Mm-hmm. Right? The, li- the liver is it, the free and easy wanderer. It's the organ that has to do with the everything unfolding according to its right and proper timing, whether that's the rhythms of digestion or being able to fall asleep easily or the rhythms of menstruation and, and ovulation or just I, all of everything in life that is that happens according to a rhythm the liver is responsible for, for doing, and it's also responsible for the free flow of emotions in the body. So anytime that we get stressed and tight, anytime that we hold our breath, anytime that we find ourselves sighing, it's like, it's the liver is crying out for mm-hmm. unleash me. Oh, like, you know, that, that, uh, allowing ourselves to move in proper rhythm and timing is yeah. essential if we want these other things to move in proper rhythm and timing. And so the fastest way to, um, to to have problems arise is to take ourselves away from nature's rhythms, right? To push ourselves to make our days longer and make our nights shorter or to pretend, you know, like the woman who said that she made a big mistake about going on vacation last week. It's like, could the same be said for like going to bed last night? Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that was a terrible mistake. I lost <laughs> so many productive hours that I could have been working. But we all know that yin and yang are essential to balance one another and that you can't have good yin or you can't have good yang rather of productivity and focus and your ability to do if you haven't really sunk in 
to the depths of rest and rejuvenation. And so it's like, it's one of those things that we see that all in time in nature. You can't have day without night. You can't have winter without summer. You can't have hot without cold. You can't have inside without outside. You've got to go to the polar opposite in order to have uh, the other side of the coin. And so we forget that in our young addicted culture where really it's the masculine values of speed and productivity and how it looks instead of how it feels and superficial stuff as opposed to deep soul longings and uh, doing it more and doing it faster as opposed to really being in an experience and being present it's like our values are all out of whack. So even if you're like, well, those aren't my values, it's really hard to stay the course in a society that's just going to keep uh, rewarding you for overdoing and, and overexpending your energy budget. Yeah. I mean, as you were, you know, just kind of describing everything with the liver, I was like, oh, this is also why it's such a problematic thing when like people numb out by having a glass of wine every night then, because then you're just really kind of going there and getting into kind of a funk and a cycle that is not really helping you, but at the time you think it is. Oh yeah. It totally can feel like medicine if you've been speeding all day yeah. to, to use a glass of wine to help relax the nervous system and to slow yeah. down. And it's like that absolutely can be medicine in the moment. And it can certainly feel like that. But over time, if you're doing it every single day, then that's ultimately going to be a big drag on the liver. And it's going to be very, you know, like that slowing you down to the point of, um, it, of really, well, just enabling, it's, it's really self-medicating a pattern that like, that, that is worth breaking as opposed to medicating from. Mm, yeah. So what would you suggest for some of those just routines and those daily routines in your life that can kind of help maybe you bust out of some of those um, habits that you might've formed that are not serving you? Well, it's always, I think, first of all, just really important to not slap your hand away from the proverbial cookie jar without looking for why you're reaching for it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine in the evening um, at all. At the same time, if it's the kind of thing that you are um, it, where, where like that's how you relax if the, or if the need is for slowing down, if the need is for relaxation, if the need is for just the ability to exhale, that need could be met in a variety of other ways, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. you could go for a walk, you could go, you know, you could come home and uh, do a little Qigong or yoga or meditation or exercise. You could shift gears in any number of ways. You could just go outside and, and sit and be or uh, relax with a, a cup of tea. If, if like, if it's truly just like, you just want to sit on the couch, like give yourself permission to do those things. Investigate the, 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 the reason behind uh, the habit that you're wanting to break. And I see a lot of people, um, especially claiming that they don't have a, a lot of time, but what they're doing, um, they, they are actually spending time on things that don't really give back to them, like numbing out in front of Netflix or, or like numbing out with a glass of wine, either one, you know, it's like either that because, because there is a real need for relaxation, there is a real need for space. But at the same time, I think as women, we can have a hard time claiming it. Mm. if it means potentially inconveniencing someone else in our lives. And so a lot of women that I work with really have a lot of success with uh, starting their day with a lot of the essential practices that they need to stay focused. And so the, so the number one thing that I suggest to people to, to feel like you're not subject to this time compression all the time is to simply get clear on what really needs your attention on a given, uh, in a given day. And in order to do that, that requires either some reflection the night before where you're thinking like where you're feeling into the future and you're thinking, okay, tomorrow, 
who needs me on my A game tomorrow? Or like what, what really needs my focus tomorrow? And just come up with three things. If there's more than three things, good luck. You know, but just get, getting really clear as to where you want your vitality and energy to go or doing it first thing in the morning where you wake up, you do a little bit of meditation, you know, just, just connecting with yourself, connecting with, with why you're alive, right? Like, or whatever, whatever your spirituality um, is about, whatever you, whatever you feel connected to, whatever you feel inspired by, whatever you take guidance from connecting to that. And then from there, getting clear on, on what, what really, again, you need to focus on because it's so easy to get distracted by things that pop up and the urgent things that are not actually important. And then just sort of spending all this energy, not wisely. So really, if we can automate simple daily routines and bring those onto autopilot, we free up so much energy for actually living our lives instead of just sort of numbing out to medicate from how stressful they are. So I usually encourage the power of a morning routine. And once you have like, you know, if you're getting up an hour before your kids are, um, or if you're getting up even 15 minutes before anybody else in your household, you have this little sacred opportunity where it's just you before the world dictates what your priorities are to, to get clear and to then be able to marshal your energy from a place that's really driven from, from you and from a sense of, uh, a, a centered present place as opposed to a reactive place. Yeah. And what do you say if people are like, oh, I'm totally just not a morning person. Um, would you be like, okay, it's okay to do in the evening or how do you kind of combat that if they, cause I've had a few people are like, oh, I'm not a morning person. I'm like, but then it's hard yeah. for them to get it in during the day. Sure. Well, exactly. And the, and the reason is that we're, we're creatures of willpower or sorry, we're creatures. We are not creatures of willpower. We are <laughs> creatures of habit, right? So, and willpower is this thing that is magically renewed every night by sleep. Mm-hmm. So when we wake up in the morning, we have as much willpower as we're ever going to have. And willpower, willpower is de- depleted by stress. It's depleted by low blood sugar. It's depleted by having to make decisions. It's depleted by all sorts of things, but fresh first thing in the morning, we have the most. And so if we're trying to create a new habit, that takes willpower. Until something's on autopilot, it takes effort. And so even if you're quote unquote, not a morning person, you still have a first thing in your day. You still have a first thing that you're doing in the day before that willpower battery starts to get sapped. So it could still apply if you're trying to create a new habit, doing it first thing, whenever that first thing is. And also there is, there is something to uh, the notion of uh, that our, our identities are, you know, like that, where was that identity created that you're not a morning person? It's like, did that form when you were a teenager and your biorhythms were legitimately different than they are as an adult? Like, is there something that is sort of like, there's a part of you that identifies with like either the, the, the creative like artist who's up in the middle of the night or the, the rebel who's like staying out late that there's, there can be some things that aren't necessarily valid anymore. So I would question that assumption and test out like, well, how do you feel if you were to maybe we go to bed a little earlier every night, 15 minutes earlier, um, and see if you could just get up 15 minutes earlier and just ratchet back slowly and experiment with, with what it's like to actually change the start of your day. And you can always change it back, but that, that not getting too attached to your own preconceived limitations can be a really important uh, thing to, um, to help you really in the laboratory of your own body um, suss out what's going to work and what isn't going to work. 
Yes. And yeah, I totally recommend the same thing for people. And, you know, just noticing like my husband, like he considers himself a night owl and, um, but he works late. And so like his, you know, kind of time to unwind is in the evening versus morning. Cause I'm out training and I'm up early and, you know, he's with our son and, um, you know, like some of that though, that's not how we always was, you know, before our son was born, like he could get up earlier and have that time. And it's just, he's kind of flipped because of it. So sometimes you have to kind of look at those, you know, your life circumstances too, you know, as you were saying, just kind of seeing, okay, this, this could be why all of a sudden this flipped in my life. And I've just been running with that story and really it's maybe only a couple of years old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, and so yes, to circumstances changing and that, that maybe we can re-examine that. Yeah. Also, there's all sorts of studies about people who are self, self-proclaimed night owls. Uh, there's that one study where they, um, they went on, they took these people to a place, basically took them camping, took them away from artificial light, took them away from melatonin disrupting blue lights and screens and stresses of daily life. And all of these people who, who claimed to be night owls got back into a normal um, diurnal rhythm of waking up with the sun and going to bed like shortly after after dusk and things like that and having no sleep problems whatsoever wow. in a relatively short amount of time, which I find fascinating. That is awesome. And I'm totally going to use that with my husband. I'll be like, see, this is what you need to do. Plus I want to go camping. So that's a nice excuse for us to go camping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when we're talking about like just our addiction to just that go on the go lifestyle, um, you know, I know social media plays a big factor for a lot of people is sometimes we just get sucked into our phones so easily. Do you have any like tips for people to kind of help walk away from the phone and not maybe, maybe that increases their anxiety. I know it, it increases quite a few. I think they said after it was like three minutes, um, maybe it wasn't even three minutes, could have been shorter than that. But after looking for like fashion bloggers, like that increased people's anxiety, like to the point where they were just like so anxious that they, they just kept scrolling and scrolling, kept it longer and longer. But after that three minute mark, it was just all in their heads. And, um, you know, any tips around that for people to kind of maybe, especially the younger generation too, and helping kiddos out and how to get off the phones? Yeah, that's a really important topic, I think. Um, that I think first off though, just, just to back up a little bit, if there is that the addiction to doing is culturally reinforced in so many ways. And I think it's, it's like, I just want to call myself out on that as well, that like, I am the ultimate young addict. I am perpetually <laughs> taking on more than I can reasonably accomplish and then perpetually feeling dissatisfied with myself for having done so. And so I think first of all, just, just to extend some compassion for the people who are in that space, that, um, that our identities can get created around being the doer, right? Or the one that can accomplish a lot of things and, and, and recognizing that, that bringing our self-worth back to the fact that you are valuable and worthy, even if you just did nothing by virtue of the fact that you're alive and the fact that you, the presence that you radiate has so much more of an effect on the people around you than the things that you say or do a lot of times. And so just to give ourselves, again, this is a cultural thing where we are, um, we identify with what we do as opposed to who we are. And so that reframe is really reinforced by everything we're seeing on the internet, right? We're seeing everyone's social media highlight reels. We're seeing images of, of bodies and how we're supposed to dress and how we're supposed to look and 
how we're supposed to go on vacation and how we're supposed to have fun with friends. And, you know, like uh, there's all these models that is, of course, everyone's highlight reel while you feel like you're living the blooper reel. And uh, that, that idea of, of recognizing that what, what, why exactly are you looking at your phone? Again, like looking at getting mindful of the reason why, like, are you, are you looking to feel connected? Is there another way you could meet that need for connection? You know, could you call a friend? Could you talk to somebody who lives in your household? Could you, uh, you know, could you reach out in a, in a meaningful way that gets that need for connection met? Or even just um, cultivating the loose ties in our community, right? Just staying, having casual conversations with people in our world. There's also the, like, are we trying to distract ourselves? Uh, is it simply the dopamine hit that we get from seeing that somebody uh, liked something that we posted on social media or whatever? You know, like, so, so getting curious as to like what's causing us to reach for our phones. And one of the ways we can't really get curious about that if we're still on autopilot, if we're still just doing it all the time. So I highly recommend, first of all, just again, with the morning routine, having your phone not be something that you check until you've checked in with yourself. Mm. So meditation, movement, um, hydration, personal hygiene, whatever it is that needs, you know, say making sure that, that your family members or your loved ones know that they are loved by you, aligning with your, with your, um, deepest truth or your higher power or God or whatever, you know, whatever you want to align with, all of those things need to happen before you engage with the world. Mm-hmm. Also throughout the day, I mean, as a business owner, as someone with a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of times I will glance at my phone to make sure that I don't have to like put out any fires that day. But once I've assured myself of that, and I can therefore relax into a morning routine that really serves me. I, I really try to be intentional about when I'm checking my phone, whether that's designated times or just giving myself time to actually do some deep work where I'm not interrupted by, uh, by the, the distraction that's readily available to us always. Mm, yes. And I love that. Um, you know, the phone, just not picking it up right away. And that's just such an instinct for me. Like I have to, I usually always just have to check in case I have a because I train early in the mornings. I'm like, make sure no one canceled on me. Okay, great. And then, you know, I go into my meditation. I use it for a meditation timer and I try not to open up the emails and I don't open up, you know, any social media. And then that, it just makes such a big difference. Like if you even just try it for a couple, couple days in a row, just kind of notice, okay, what are my habits? What are my routines? Because sometimes um, if many people, when you pop open your phone, you're like, whoa, how am I on Instagram? And I didn't even like consciously like- yeah think I was going to go there. And that's like just where it went. Um, well, that could be something where like, it sounds like you, and I, I do the same thing. I use my phone as a tool for a lot of things, but if those apps aren't on your phone for a couple of weeks, you can yes. get really, you know, like then they're not there and your phone is strictly a tool that's enabling you to marshal your energy in the direction of conscious choice as opposed to habit. Yes. Oh, I totally, I did that, uh, took six weeks, I think off Instagram. I deleted um, my app and I just wasn't on there at all. And Mm -hmm. those first few days, I mean, when you go through it, you're like, well, this is, this is challenging. Like I'm, I wanted to share everything I noticed and I'm like, well, this is speaking of that as my phone rings (laughs) and, um, when you're on your phone, like I was just like, Oh, I'm thinking in Instagram captions rather than like living my life. I'm like, how can I share this as a lesson? And that's when like really caused me to like pause. And I'm like, okay, I really have to reevaluate what, what I'm doing here. And uh, now like 
having been on that break, you know, now I've been back on for a few months, but I'm just like, I don't even think like my brain has not rewired to like think in Instagram captions anymore, which is great. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is some growth. And I, you know, I'm sure I'm going to do it again. I think over the summer and just take another six weeks off just because when you're off, you're, you're not missing much, but I think we think we're like missing out on so much in everyone's lives. But really when you're not there, you're, you're living your life and you're noticing more what's going on in your life. Exactly. You can always turn the app back on. Yes. Yes. Oh, so one of the things that I noticed with Ayurveda and I know with Chinese medicine, um, it's kind of that you're always evolving and it's kind of a path of evolution. Um, how do you see that in Chinese medicine as kind of a path for people to evolve? Oh, I love that question. Thank you for asking it. It is so so Chinese medicine and Ayurveda have a lot in common. It, I think the idea that everything in the world can be described as some kind of energy, right? So in Ayurveda, there's there is the there's the elements and in Chinese medicine, there's slightly different elements, but basically they're like dimensions of the universe or slices of all that is that can exist within us. And at different times in our lives, certain energetics can be stronger and, uh, and certain, you know, I think of uh, the five elements in Chinese medicine, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water as being archetypes of, of kind of uh, different aspects of our personalities, different aspects of uh, how we engage with the world. So for example, I have a lot of wood in my constitution. So that upward, like a tree, uh, always interested in new growth, moving upward and outward, being um, teaching, leading, uh, helping role model. Those are those are characteristics of the growing edge, right? Of of something that's moving in an upward outward direction, like a tree moving upward out of the out of the earth. And if all I ever do is that. I miss out on the downward inward reflective mm. time. I miss out on the, you know, which, you know, could be something more yin, like the water element. I would miss out on feeling satisfied, right? If you're always pushing the, moving the goalposts on yourself uh, without ever really going through a phase of taking in what it's like to have accomplished something and to relax and enjoy the fruits of your labor, which would be kind of an earth phase of life, is um, then it's like, life is just not satisfying. And so we have all five elements within us, but we're born with one or two that tend to dominate. And those tend to be kind of like, um, well, they, those tend to be the colors that we paint with most, even though our palette has a lot more than that. And so we can become very one-dimensional or kind mm -hmm. of like if our greatest strength becomes our greatest weakness. Mm -hmm. And so seeing Chinese medicine, seeing that we have all the elements within us, well, what would it be like to experience this? What would it be like to cultivate the fire element and have more joy and spontaneity in my life? What would it like? What would it be like to cultivate metal, where I have um, more structure and routine? What would it be? You know, so be, being able to look at like what would be medicine for this phase of life that I'm in, and what would be actually adding fuel to the fire? What would be making things worse? And so, so there's ways like we move through these elements and these elements are within us. And so thinking about kind of like the time in our life and what the energetics of that time of life is and how we're 
approaching it because if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But in fact, there's lots more tools in the toolbox that we can pick up and they just might not be the most natural ones, but they can be cultivated. And so I really, I, I'm actually teaching um, this right now. I said this group of this group of women who have been in this self-care boot camp with me for um, now like maybe seven or seven, 11 week rounds. And they've really dialed in their body habits. They're getting good sleep. They've dialed in their nourishment. They're meditating, they're exercising. They've totally revolutionized their relationship with stress and with prioritizing themselves. And they're realizing that in doing that, it's pulling on things like who they think they need to be in the world, right? Do I need to be the people pleaser? Do I need to be the overdoer or the perfectionist? Do I need to be the hyper social one? Do I need to make everybody happy? You know, like all these ways that we navigate the world, which could be considered like the wood type, the fire type, the, you know, the, the, these social maths that we try on. Then but, uh, now I'm taking those people on kind of a deeper journey where they're going to, they're going to get to explore what it's like to live into each of the different Chinese elements. And so it's, uh, it's, it, so anyway, in that sense, we evolve our identity by practicing what it's like to, um, to experience these things that aren't necessarily second nature. Ooh, I love that. And if you don't mind, could you go yeah. through a little bit about each of the elements? Sure. Um, in terms of what, how it shows up in a person or... In- Let's do that. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, I don't know if we've had anyone talk about them. And so people might be listening. It might be a little curious or like, okay, but what are these elements? Sure. Well, so water element, and there's like, I really, I, I love teaching on this stuff. And so trying to, trying to wedge it into a, a <laughs> Short podcast recording is is a like tall a, order, a but I will <laughs> I will try. Um, so so water has like every element has a yin and a yang aspect of it, and and that that's especially true of water, which can be quiet and reflective, like a still pond or a pool, or it can be powerful, like the Pacific Ocean. Right? It can be tumultuous and 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 big. Mm -hmm. But in general, um, the water element is it's reflective, it's inward, it knows who it is and what it's about, right? You know, so like these people, like they have, they cultivate a spiritual path, they cultivate meditation. Uh, They're in, in Chinese medicine, the water element goes with kidney and bladder which is said to house our purpose or our essential essence. So it's about really like knowing who you are and your purpose in the world. Mm-hmm. And so water element, if we, if we want to cultivate the water element, it really requires a lot more alone time and a lot more downtime in general. And then, um, and, it's, and it's also where our will lives. Uh, so our will as in our um, being aligned with our own destiny with kind of like what we're here to do, what's uniquely ours, what's our curriculum. And then from there, so that's our potential. And then as potential moves towards actual, so you water a plant to make it grow. So water moves into wood and wood is that upward, outward energy of a tree growing. And so those qualities are going to be, they're going to be upward and outward. They're going to be being assertive. They're going to be, uh, the emotion associated with the wood element is anger, right? So Mm -hmm. it could be, um, you know, or stress, it's the liver and gallbladder that are the organs associated there. So it's about, um, you know, feeling, so a wood element lessons could be about, um, it could be about having 
having the courage to go after your dreams and goals and being able to methodically, uh, you know, plot a path to get there. It could be also, you know, like for, for someone like me, who's got that in spades, it could be about how can, how can the tree be flexible and bend in the wind instead of being so rigidly committed to, you know, to growing in a particular direction. Um, so it can be, so lessons for the wood elm, it could be about flexibility and cultivating, um, allowing there to be this balance of effort and ease that we talk about in yoga that is essential for, um, for there to be sort of like balancing because wood is, is halfway between water and fire, fire being the most young of the elements. Fire is the doing it. It's, um, you know, fire, um, fire traits are like, or think about a campfire. People want to gather around it. It's warm. It's, it's generous. It's social. People are talking around a campfire. It's, you know, so it's, um, very, a lot of extroverts, you know, like those, those, uh, those qualities and I'm using them. It's like it, we all have these traits within us, as I mentioned, but some, some of us have them more than others. And so um, it has to do with like fire is never the same. It's constantly changing. It's dynamic. And so um, we need to leave room for spontaneity in our lives. If we're, you know, if we're driving hard, it's like all the energy can be stagnating in the wood element and we never get any space to just, you know, to, to, to just see where that might go and the possibilities that, that can only exist when um, in the present moment. So that's going to be fire. And then earth is going to be that. Um, earth is uh, some qualities of, of earth people. Like the earth itself, it tends to be very supportive and grounded and nurturing and sweet. So people who want to just take care of other people uh, tend to be, to have a lot of earth in their constitution. So teachers and healers and, you know, the people, people who want to, people who want to support other people, um, parents, a lot of times, like there's some earth that's required in order to be a loving, a loving parent. And at the same time, uh, those people often need to learn the lesson that it is also okay to be generous and giving and loyal to themselves and that it's okay to have boundaries um, while, while caring for others and that it's okay to, um, it's okay to be sweet to ourselves. It's okay to, to take it in and be nourished by our lives. And then metal is uh, the qualities, like metal is very discerning, like metal is lungs and large intestine. It's taking in and letting go. And so it, it's um, the ability to be organized, the ability to declutter, the ability to let go of no, what's no longer useful and not be sentimental or holding on to the past. Uh, you know, it's the, the emotions are, are grief and sadness, things like that. So too much of, um, you know, stagnation in the metal element can make us either really rigid or really, um, or, or like not letting go of anything, right? And feeling uh, stagnant and stuck. And so, um, so those are just a, a little bit of an overview into what those elements can be all about. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I'm like sitting here, like taking notes. I was like, oh gosh, that might've been for me, but I'm sure someone listening is also wanting to know a little bit more about that. Well, if, if they want to know a lot more about it, I teach on this stuff. Um, I have a basics of Chinese medicine online course that anyone can go through at any time. It's a learn from home and it's uh, yeah, it can be really, you'll never see the world the same way again. Once you look through the lens of the five elements. That's what I always tell people when I introduce them to Ayurveda as well as like, mm -hmm. now you're just going to see things in a whole different way. And I'm like, Oh, I want to know a little bit about Chinese medicine now too and how, cause I'm like, okay, I can see the doshas in each of those and mm -hmm. how these all relate. And I mean, I just think they're 
it's just great stuff to know. And just, it is a different way to look at things. Yeah. And it's really uh, the language of Chinese medicine and Ayurveda is like, sometimes there's a metaphor that just really captures something in life um, really beautifully. So like once you know one energetic medicine, I think it's easy to kind of apply that or transfer it and look through another lens. Yeah, I can see that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, Well, I want to know where people can find you and connect with you and learn more about your um, podcast, A Healthy Curiosity. Um, You know, just tell people a little bit about some of the topics that you talk about and guests that you have on. Sure. Well, A Healthy Curiosity is on being well in a busy world, which is a pretty broad mandate. But generally speaking, I I like to, I'm terrible at pretending that I don't know anything. So kind of like you, I, I make it a conversation, not an interview. Um, and I have I have guests that, that do deep dives, a lot of functional medicine practitioners who I know, uh, but also a lot of people who are just in my personal circle who have learned something about how to, how to, make life sane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, you know, like, like recent episodes on topics like mindfulness. I did a deep dive on poop. I've done a, you know, a lot of stuff on women's hormones, a lot of, um, and a lot on it, just like the Chinese, I, I did a, a solo show on forgiveness because that's basically the liver detox of the spring. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a, a different take on that from an emotional, like, so I, I love the psycho-spiritual stuff and I go there a lot. Um, but I also am very, I'm very left-brained as well and am grounded in the world of, um, I'm intrigued by the overlap between science and these ancient medicine traditions. So a lot of conversations on that stuff. And, uh, but especially useful for women and especially around, I mean, like we, we're, we're constantly talking about um, kind of the practical tips for daily life. So that is available at brodywelch.com, Brody with an I-E and Welch with a C-H, also wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, and, and probably, yeah, my website, I, I occasionally send out newsletters, but not, not as often as I should. Um, and I am also on Facebook, probably is the social media platform that I am on the most these days, but I'm really not showing up there as I'm trying to pare back. Um, honestly, it's, it's um, so much of my energy is going towards the podcast and the people that I'm coaching. And so, um, yeah, if, if anyone is interested in, in kind of implementing what they know they need to be doing to take care of themselves, but not actually doing it and are interested in self-care from a Chinese medicine perspective, then I would love to connect with you. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And definitely check out all of her stuff. Her podcast is awesome. So I like to tune in and um, like the one you just had, I think it was this week with the kiddos and talking about mindfulness and um, yeah, trying to pick up tips already for my three-year-olds and great. Try I try out side out breath, which actually works really nicely. And then as you were saying that taking a deep breath was with, for the liver. I was like, huh, very yeah. cool. All connected. So I always have one final question that I ask. And this one, I like to give out a weekly challenge to all the listeners. And when I have guests on, I have you throw out a little weekly challenge for everyone. So what would you like that weekly challenge to be? Oh, this is this is one of my favorite things because it's so hard for people. So it, it's um basically it's a do less a thon. So do less than you're humanly capable of and give yourself points kind of like, um, like sorting hats or, you know, like a Harry Potter style, like 15 points to Gryffindor, right? You know, so the idea of like, hey, you know, when I was having friends over this weekend, instead of making the two hour recipe, I decided to make the 30 minute curry, you know, like (laughs) 20 points for me or like, oh yeah, I actually didn't, you know, I didn't spend 
um, I, I decided that I actually didn't need to volunteer for this extra commitment that was going to stress me out and make me um, a crazy person um, in favor of sitting home and um, reading a book and having some downtime. So like 50 points for me, because that was really hard to do, you know, so really just kind of looking at the choices where you could make that will be in service of your highest values while not uh, overdoing. Mm, I love that. And that is definitely a new challenge for us. So I will, I will partake in that one as well and see what I can do less of. I like it. It's fun to have a, an accountability partner for this one is to like engage a friend and like just either text each other or um, email each other or something like that and just claim the credit of like, where did I do less today? Where, where can, what can I give myself credit for not doing so that I can line up with what matters most? And it's really fun to see kind of like, oh yeah, like I, I had a, a woman in one of my courses this week who uh, literally did not do an assignment that she was dreading because she already had an A in the class. And she was like, I could, I could just stay up all night and do this assignment or I could not do it and still get an A in the class. And that, you know, and it didn't actually, she didn't actually care about learning it. She just, you know, um, anyway, so those kinds of things where it's like, you know what, if it doesn't actually serve you, maybe you don't actually have to do it at all. Yes. Yes. I love that. And I, I was taking that approach to, um, I was like, I'm going to quit Facebook. I don't know if I can do that because then I think you lose your ads account. But like that, those are some of the ones I was like, I'm going to quit this and this. And then I had to actually see what I, you know, was practical. But I love that. And I love that we can kind of just kind of tune into the life and see what are we doing that we can eliminate. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure having you on Brody. I've loved all the information that you gave everyone and um, hopefully you guys can check out her podcast and um, her website as well and all the different programs she runs. So um, thank you again, Brody. Thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation. Hey, and everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the peaceful power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.